Welcome to the Sky's the Limit podcast. Uh, Stephen Yee has uh, given me the pleasure to interview uh, someone I've got to know as he's since he's been with FFL for a while now. He, he kills it here, helps a lot of families. I got uh, Donnie Young, VP of Family First Life VBA. Um, so I'm excited. Uh, and thanks for jumping on with us today, Donnie. No problem, brother. Awesome. Well, um, I don't have any set questions. I, I always just kind of shoot at the hip with all of this type of stuff. So um, I, I hope that we, we keep it real and to the point. Hopefully um, everyone gets something out of this. So um, just kind of straight to the point for everyone that doesn't know, know who you are, Donnie, kind of, can you kind of give the backstory of your, of where you came from, how you found FFL and all that stuff? You bet. So I've actually been in the insurance industry for about 15 years. I started out as a captive PNC agent um and i went from company to company <clears throat> it's not that i'm a company hopper it's just you always seem to hit a ceiling when you go somewhere it's always something i've struggled with you get as you get and grow real fast you get real big and you get stuck by the person that's above you kind of one of the things that appealed to me from ffl you don't really have that issue here so i started out as a captive pmc agent moved to uh supplement or bro a brokerage i was no longer captive i went brokerage pnc there was just not really a whole lot of money and it was very difficult a lot of work very little return and then i went to supplemental which is like cancer heart attack stroke that kind of thing and then i've moved to life i came from a practice company uh where i was getting little comp resold leads it was rough and then now i'm here at ffl that's kind of my journey in a short snippet Awesome. Awesome. So, um, so you started over at the, the other company. So did you, did you find FFL and, and find someone to, to work with it? It take you a while to make that, that switch. And if so, like what was stopping you? So it did take me a minute. It did take me a minute to come over. You're actually kind of familiar with my story a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, it took me a little bit to come over. I had a recruiter reach out to me that did a pretty poor job of it. And uh, I didn't come over because of that one particular recruiter. It was a mistake that I made. Really, I should have come over much sooner. I regret it now. But I ended up calling corporate after seeing one of Sean Mike's YouTube videos and kind of recruiting myself over here. Got it. Okay. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's a, a story for another day. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, because every, everyone's kind of, different and because I, I i was kind of lucky i came to ffl and this is the only thing i've ever known so I, like at that like i am i'm 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 extremely blessed and lucky i, I don't have to go any through through any struggles because it sounds like you 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 went through everything and you you met your your ceiling and you got where you were and you didn't see anywhere to go after that and you always had to find something a little bit better and obviously you found family first life and it Truly, in the insurance world, it's, I don't see any other better vehicle to be in if you're in insurance or honestly, if you're in sales whatsoever either, um, which is which is crazy. So come at you. How long you been with FFL and how 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 quickly did you did you get to VP? Um, I joined FFL September of last year. I made VP in uh, just at six months. Um, and. Yeah, well, going back to it, it took me a while to come over too, because actually I was doing well where I was at. I was just at the ceiling. What really got me to come over was the agents. So wow. while I was doing okay, my agents were were not. I mean, so that's the main reason I came over. Um, but yeah, September of last year, we made VP in 
just about six months and still trying to grow and get bigger, man. Right, right. Like we all are, we all are. So coming over as um, kind of a, a, a brand new agent, like how, I guess first question is how many families were you helping over there a month versus how many when you first started um, when, you, when you made that switch? I, I quadrupled. So the goal over there was 10 families a month and I'm doing 40 to 50 a month here. Right. Right. Okay. And did you come in straight out the gate with FFL helping 40 to 50 families a month or did you kind of graduate and gradually get there? Did you just. I came in? straight out of the gates. Came straight awesome. out of, my, my first month here, I helped family, uh, 30 families. Yeah. Awesome. So, and obviously you were, and you've kind of done, did, the same type of stuff because were you when you were doing your life stuff was that strictly final expense yes strictly yeah. final expense no mortgage protection uh no annuities no nothing like that it was just straight final expense got it okay and then what would you so let's let's talk about like what you were running your very first month to be able to do that so like did you have some special lead out there that no one else has at ffl or how how'd you write 30 or help 30 families your first month I actually ran 100% CRM leads. So I just now really, they talk about all the time, expanding your leads and uh, diversifying, I should say, diversifying your leads. I worked strictly CRM leads up until about a month ago. Mm -hmm. Just 100% CRM from FFL. Awesome. Okay. And then, so you've, you said, what's, what's been your, your biggest month? How many families have you helped? It? Uh, 78. 78. So you helped 78 families in one month here at FFL on CRM leads. Yes. Yes. I, yes. Strictly I, CRM leads. I was hustling, brother. <laughs> absolutely you were. And that's, that's, the, that's what I love. There's no special lead out there. And strictly running internet leads. If, if no one knows, me and Donnie live in the exact same town. So we work in the same, same backyard. We both help uh, a lot of families a month. And end of the day, uh, a lead's a lead. And come, I guess coming in, did you, did you have your eyes set on wanting different types of leads or were you like, just give me somebody to call and let me go? That's it right there. So you gotta look at it this way. I've been doing this for a long time. When I first got into the supple, like supplemental life and started doing that, basically what we do is we take a vehicle, do a road trip, stay in a county for a week. We didn't have any leads. We would literally just go door to door, knock to sell supplemental insurance. That's what got me into this industry, particularly like insurance I've been doing for a while, but the supplemental life insurance, I haven't been. When I first started, we had no leads. It was literally, you go to a county, you stay in a crummy roach motel, you take a piece of paper and you go to a, a, a neighborhood and you go knock on it and draw your own map of the neighborhood and the houses you knock. That's where I came from. So getting leads to me, leads a lead. Give me a name and a number and I'm good. That's awesome. See, I never had to go through that. Like I was always, that's what sold me on this is I didn't have to go door knocking. I didn't have to go sell to my friends and family or, be the guy at Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner trying to trying to sell you something. That's what yeah. that's what truly sold me on this. But that I mean, I mean, going out there, you're straight door knocking, and no one. It's not even like you have a a lead to show them. 
Hey, it's, it's different than – that's a cold, cold door knock versus showing Malia that they filled out and door knocking it. <laughs> so you've, you've gone through it. So those are the people that come into FFL when you finally get that right vehicle, the people that have been in the supplemental world where, where it's all friends, family, referrals, door knocks, um, or even like leads that are 10 years old that are resold to you. Like when you, when you get someone that recently filled something out requesting life insurance, whether you're the first or the fifth person to call them, I mean, if just give me that number and you guys are the ones that come in here and just blow everybody else out of the water. Yeah. It's a game changer, man. Just having leads in general, it's a real game changer. Right. And then just the, the amount that we do have. And on top of that, with the other supplemental stuff coming out with FFL as well, uh, we'll, I, we'll obviously um, help all of us grow as a, as a side sale too, which, oh, yeah. which is nice. Um, but so let's, so coming into it now, um, I kind of know this answer, but I, I would kind of want to hear it from where you've grown since you've been here. So like coming in, like you, you came in running strictly CRM leads, like had, have you always dialed yourself? Like what do you have a dial? Like what's your, what's your philosophy behind everything? Cause everyone's different. So I started out dialing my own leads. I did until I had a cushion built up. Um, I started out dialing my own leads, but I use a dialer now because honestly, my, my outlook on that is time's pretty valuable. Spending that time doing all the dialing myself takes away from times I could be sitting and helping with families. So I do use a dialer, but I didn't use a dialer until I could afford to and I knew how to teach them. I think people that are looking at using a dialer have to, have to be able to dial themselves. Going mm -hmm. out starting out and just getting a dialer doesn't work because you can't train them. You can't show them how to do it. It just doesn't work out for you. So if you're just starting out, you don't want to start out having a dialer. You want to dial your own leads. That way you know what it's like. That way you can train a dialer. And then if, as you're growing, if you're trying to get basically paying a dialer buys me more time, that's why I have a dialer now. So as you're growing, look at getting a dialer if you'd like to, if not, you've got guys like Robbie Wills that still do all their own dials. Right. Right. Yeah. There's, and that's why everyone is, that's why I, I end with everyone is different because you have top, top producers that just dial themselves or some people that supplement with dialers. And I mean, I've messed around with dialing too. I still do all my own dialing myself. And that is just because I had bad luck with them. The, the different, you, and that's why, like, I'm glad you said that you got to be able to afford it because they're not going to be as good as you. Um, they're just not, you're just paying an hourly employee to, to book appointments and you got to make sure that you can afford if they, if they screw up, set bad appointments. Um, cause one Don't set one appointments at all. <laughs> right. One horror story. I had, uh, I had a full day worth of a travel trip, uh, booked out. I think I had 10 appointments in one day and I sat, I got into one house and everyone said, I thought you were just dropping something off in my mailbox. And <laughs> It's like, I'm done. I'm going back to dialing myself. And, and, and you have to be able to afford to go through those, those, those mistakes. Um, so are you, like, so are you, have you always been face to face? Are you virtual? Are you doing the hybrid model? Like what's, what's all that looking like from where you've, where you came and kind of where you are now? So I was strictly face to face where I came from. Um, they had just started using dialing. It was really, really a pain in the butt when they were the way they were doing it, it was a one call close with them, but you got to bring like three other people on the line to be able to do it. So it's not something I'd done before. Now I'm doing kind of both because I, 
I'm not to brag on myself, but I'm, I call myself an expert at face-to-face -face sales, right? So I like to be good at everything because I have agents that do dials. I have agents that do face-to-face. -face. I want to be good at everything. So I've been focusing on dialing here lately and it's going pretty well. Um, so I'm probably gonna go hybrid. Uh, I'm mainly a face-to-face -face. right now. I'm mainly doing dialing, but it's just so I can get good at it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when going to, if you're starting to go to the hybrid model to kind of get a feel for that too, is, is your in-home any different or is it all kind of the, or have you tried to keep it the same? It's pretty much the same. Um, I didn't see, I, I haven't seen a whole lot of difference or a whole lot of changes that I need to make in my presentation, but my presentation is pretty different than most people that I've listened to. I'm a very direct, straightforward person. Um, I make it logical and transactional and I get to know them a little bit. I don't try to make, put a lot of emotion into it because I think emotional decisions are bad decisions. So when I sit down with a family, I'm very direct, whether I'm face to face or over the phone. Let's, um, let's dive into that. Especially if you say yours is kind of a little bit different than everyone else's. I think everyone, I mean, you've helped over 70 families in a month. So I think you know what you're doing. Um, so if you, if, let's, uh, give us your, your in-home. Let's, if you don't mind going through that. No, I don't mind. So mine's really direct. All right. First thing I do when I knock on the door, I'm like, hey, Colton. Yeah. Hey, Colton, I'm Donnie. We've got a one o'clock appointment. I wipe my feet. Do you have a place we can sit down? Sure. Table. All right. So I'm like, all right, do you mind if we sit at the table? If they take me to the couch, if their table's cluttered, I'll sit at the couch if I have to, but I prefer to get them to a table. So then I go to the table and I'm like, all right, Colton, first of all, let me tell you what it is that I do. Uh, a lot of people, when I come and sit down with them, have no clue what it is that I do. I'm not a salesman. I don't work off commission. Uh, I don't work for an insurance company. I'm just an underwriter. Basically, I have contracts with multiple companies. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to shop around, get you the best price and the best coverage. Does that sound good to you? Generally, they say yes. I'm like, all right, usually there's three reasons a person comes to me for insurance. One, they're wanting just to cover a burial. Two, they're needing to cover a debt like a mortgage or something like that. Or three, they're trying to leave behind a legacy. Which option is it that you're looking to do today? So I give them three options and I keep tell, having them tell me, yes, this is what I'm doing today. They're like, well, I'm just looking to cover my final expenses. Perfect. I don't build a whole lot of report. I do it during the application process. Once they tell me, okay, I'm doing final expenses, I was like, all right, great fill out the financial worksheet, and then I go straight into the application. I don't do a quote. I don't use insurance toolkits. I straight into the application because I know I've been doing it long enough. I know where I'm going to qualify. Generally, we go to AmeriCo anyways, so it's usually my first stop. So I go straight into the application, and then I use a one premium close. So I'm like, this is how I get to that. I don't do a three premium close because I think it takes too long. And it gives too many options. You don't want to give too many options because then they have to decide. I don't want them to decide. I'm, they're not there to make decisions they're there for me to tell them what to do they've asked me to come tell them what to do so i use a one premium close i'm like all right colton uh what i'm gonna do today i'm gonna try to qualify you for the maximum benefit that doesn't mean that's what you have to do but i'm not gonna qualify you for the ten thousand because if that's cheap and you're like well i want more than that well i've qualified you for ten thousand so it just makes more sense to qualify for the maximum and then reduce it down as we need to i go through the application i do not give premiums until the very end um, I have beneficiaries, even bank account information before I even give a premium. So I'm like, all right, looks like we do have you pre-qualified for $30,000. It's going to be about $150 a month. You can budget that, right? They either give me a yes or a no. Usually I'm pretty good about knowing whether or not they can afford it. Even if it's $400 a month, I'll still give them that price. 
So like if I'm with a person that I know cannot budget a very large payment, I'll still give them the $30,000. And I just explained to them, yeah, like I said, I just qualify for the maximum. That is the maximum. What is it that you're trying to keep your budget in? Well, $100 a month. Perfect. This is what we're going to do. It's $100 a month. So yeah. there's not, I really don't do a whole lot of rapport. Uh, I do enough to get to know them, but friends don't buy from friends. I'm not there to make friends with you. I'm there to take care of your family's needs. I'm, I'm there to handle business. So it's very short, very direct. So you said something like really, really important right there. I think that we kind of blew past it. Like before you're, you're showing premiums, you say you already have all the information, including bank information. So when, when are you getting that? In the I get it process? through the application process. So it gives the premiums when the quote before you get anywhere near that. Let's right. say Americo, for instance, it'll give you the premiums. I still don't tell them the premiums. I go through the entire application process to the very end, right before signatures. Mm -hmm. so that's why I'm saying, okay, uh, you're, you are pre-qualified for the $30,000. Um, now, I do make sure they have a bank account beforehand. I should have gone over that. I'm sorry. I try to do that at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I'm telling them, hey, let me tell you what it is I do. I'm, and I explain to them, I'm going to have to ask you some personal questions about your health and finances. Um, are you okay with that? Yes. I was like, all right. Do you have a local bank account? If you're on disability, I do that on the financial inventory. So your monthly income, if it's disability, if it's social security, if it's a paycheck, is that deposited into a local bank account? Yes, it is. Okay, perfect. And then I move on. I ask for the bank account information as soon as it asks for it on the application. My thing is, if you sound confident, I think where people struggle is they just don't sound confident when they're asking these questions. They don't sound confident when they're asking for a social security number. They don't sound confident. Do you mind giving me your social security number? I, <laughs> that's silly to me. It's just the next step in the process. I do the same thing with the bank account. All right, now I need your bank account routing number and account number. Like just matter of fact, this is what we're doing. I do that uh, right before we get to the signature process. Once we told them, uh, or no, yeah. Once we've told them they've pre-qualified before the application process, um, get their bank account information. All right, we've got you pre-qualified. If they don't want to give me the bank account information before the premium, like we have to get past this part. I explained to them, we have to get past this part before you can give them your premium. So we get the bank account information. All right, now you're pre-qualified. Okay. So that's, that's it. That I've heard a couple people do it. Actually only one other person do that, do it that way. in in, in our business, but it's uh. so do you kind of explain to them, like, we're going to, as you're starting like the application process, like we're going to get you pre-qualified. They're going to kick back to us where you're most likely going to be accepted. Or do you just literally lead with America? You go through it and just, I lead with America. Yeah. yeah. I, I lead through America and just write America. That's our main carrier. It's what I try to write the most of. It's nice and simple for us. We have multiple products. If they don't qualify, they don't qualify. I'll put them somewhere else. Right, right. Absolutely. So that's, uh, I mean, that, that's very interesting because it sounds like you're just very assumptive. We're, we're doing this. It's just like you tell me how much you can afford. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's where I think that's where a lot of agents make mistakes. It's not, it's, it is assumptive, but it is why they ask us to come there. That's like, I've, mm -hmm. I've heard people talk about it on some of the FFL videos. You don't go to a doctor's office and the doctor asks you permission to write you a prescription, right? No, the doctor's telling you what's wrong with you and telling you what you're going to do. When you go into a house, our clients don't know anything about insurance. You're always, no, even if you're brand spanking new, you are going to know more about insurance than your client is in front of you. You are always going to be the expert in the house. 
This person is asked an expert to come to their house and tell them what to do because they don't know what to do. So if you sound wishy-washy or not confident or you're not telling them, okay, this is what you're going to do, you're less likely to close the sale. You're less likely to protect that family. You're less likely to get them taken care of. Right. And that's, uh, and that's awesome. And like, cause I, I get questions a lot of times from other brand new agents. Like, like you said, everything is in, in your confidence, but like from your personal perspective, like, cause sometimes I'll have agents that say like, well, I, I'm, I'm too young or I'm not confident enough what I know or what I look like, or like, I'm, I'm, I'm worried that they're going to, they're going to question what, even if I can help them, like what, what would you say to, to some of those agents if, if that's their, if that's what they're questioning? I'm a fat Harley riding dude with a beard that rides as Harley to these appointments. Okay. Like I, I, you're not the first time I've heard that. I've heard my ages. Well, I'm look too young or I look like this. I do not look like somebody that does insurance. I ride up to these people's houses on a Harley. It doesn't matter what you look like. As long as you are confident in what you're telling these people, you were going to be the expert in their house. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what you look like. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't. And that's what I, that's what I love. And like end of the day, these clients, they just don't, they want to be, they want to know that you care and that they're, and that you're not going to lie to them. Yes. That is, is the biggest thing that they care about. And if you can, if you can pull yourself and be yourself and show them that you truly want to help them and legitimately that you're not going to lie to lie to them. Cause unfortunately like you've been in the business way longer than I have. And you know, all the different type of insurance agents out there that, have commission breath and just lie through their teeth to get a sale. And, and there's, there's so many different times that that's, that's happened where people think they have immediate coverage, but they got graded or they think they have whole life in its term or it's term and it's accidental. And like when you can show that you truly want to, to help these people, that's when they really open up and, and, and trust you 100%. But, yeah. Just be real with them. If you're in there faking it, people can tell. Like right. I'm, I couldn't fake who I am if I wanted to. I am who I am, right? And you either love me or you hate me. Generally, folks, generally clients at least love me. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm always very real with them when I come in. Tell them exactly what it is that I'm going to do. And I just, yeah, don't lie to them. Don't be dishonest. Don't be shady. Be confident, honest, and just be yourself. People right. respect you being yourself. They can tell if you're faking it. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I, that's why I think you are so successful because you are just hundred percent authentic and you don't try to hide who you are. And those are the people that, that people can, can understand and honestly just, just relate to. Like if you can relate to your clients, like they're going to, yes, you're not becoming their best friend, but uh, they still have to, uh, at least, if not like you, at least respect you. Identify. If you look at our average client base, let's say you're working following expense. I actually grew up very, very poor. So the the vast majority of my life up until adulthood, I was very poor. Our average clients are middle to lower income. Mm -hmm. They they don't want somebody to come into the house and look down on them. Like I, I go out wearing a polo and jeans, riding a Harley. They can relate to me because I am them. Right. That's why I do so well. I am the working class man. That is why I do so well. And yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, and so I'm glad, thank you for sharing that with everybody, but, um, with kind of back to 
because I really want to get back to the point where like so you're you're having a, a lot of success but what are with how you run your appointments um what are the main objections that you're getting and if you're not getting very many what are you doing throughout the appointment to avoid them um so objections for the appointment setting and i i you, you get tons of those that or yeah. in the in the actual process itself sitting down closing itself yeah I don't get a whole lot of objections. That really is the truth. And it's not, it, I like to think it's because of who I am. I, I don't know how else to explain it. Again, it's just being very direct, very honest, very straightforward. Generally, if I get an objection, it's because I'm allowing them an objection. So, hey, I'm gonna qualify you for the maximum. I know it doesn't fit everybody. It may not exactly be what you're needing. We'll whittle it down as we need to. That's really the only objection I get to. When I give a single premium close, I'm like, hey, this policy is going to be $250 a month. Oh, I can't afford that. That's usually the only objection I get. I can I can work with pretty much any other objection. The main one is it's a budget thing. Hey, you know what? That's not a problem. Where are you trying to keep your monthly payment? Then I take it down to their monthly payment. That's the main objection I get. I don't really get, I need to think about it. If I do get it, I can work around it like, hey, you know what, we're going to make sure you have plenty of time to think about this. Um, you get 30 days to look over the policy, no matter what anyway. So you're going to have time to make sure this is the right decision. But I am pretty busy and I'll show them the stack of leads that I have. I need to do it while I'm here because coming back is a little more complicated for me. We'll have to reschedule. So it's easier to do while I'm here, but you're going to have plenty of time to think this over. Just because we do something right now doesn't mean it has to be set in stone. We can always make changes to it. Got it. Yeah, because I think that's everyone's biggest objection is... I need, I need to think about it. And do you think you get less of that just because you're basically going through the whole application and they, they're at that point, they understand what they're getting? Pretty much. I, I really don't. And I don't mean it to sound bragging or anything. I really don't get a lot of objections. It's just the way that I do it. I think it's a confidence. It's when I go through the financial worksheet, I know what I'm working with financially. I know what their budget is. I know what they can afford. So I just go through it very matter of factly you called me out here to get insurance we're going to do insurance so i just i don't get a lot of objections right right okay um and and do you think that that makes it a lot more understandable for for people when you show thirty thousand, it's 300 bucks a month and then you actually find something is that were they okay that that kind of makes sense i guess yes exactly right so i'll show them the thirty thousand, and it's like 300 bucks a month but you were just needing a burial policy right all right let's look at ten thousand because that's probably more what your budget is going to be that's kind of what i was thinking we we're going to do i wanted to qualify in case you wanted more but let's do the ten thousand so i don't like giving several options because it gives them too many things to pick from i want to be the one that picks what they're doing i do because i do know what it is that they need i know what they can budget right okay so, so you're not really talking about budget until like the very, very, very end. Are you asking throughout the appointment, like how much they're wanting or what they're looking no. at getting or anything no. like that? Nope. Nope. Yeah. When I, when I get three different things. So when I sit down with them that three, usually people contact me for three reasons. One, they want to leave a bunch of money behind. Two, they want to cover a burial. Three, they want to take care of a uh, long retirement investment or retirement money. So I know right then and there which one of the three I'm going to do. If it's one where they're trying to leave a chunk of money behind, I know where I'm going to look at product-wise, and then I've got to go through the financial worksheet. When you go through the financial worksheet, you see an income of $1,700 a month. I try to keep premiums under 10% of their monthly budget. 
So if I have a premium that's a hundred bucks a month and somebody's paying seven, makes $1,700 a month, I know that they can budget. I know that 170 would be the very high end of what they can budget, but that's kind of the formula I use 10% of their income or less, and they can probably budget it. Got it. Okay. So that's good to know. Cause everyone will ask that. Like I, I don't have a percentage. I never have. I just, I know what they can afford and I can't, but would you say 10% of their gross income or their net? Gross. Gross. Got it. Yep. Okay. I keep it 10%. At, at now, if you're at the full 10%, $170 on somebody that makes $1,700 is the highest end of what I would write. If they're wanting more than that, I actually will tell them no. Okay. I don't like chargebacks. I keep a pretty good persistency. I'm at like 82%. Awesome. So I'm pretty careful about what I write. And if they, so like what, what happens? You, you go through it, you, you show them the, the 30,000, it's 300 bucks a month. And then, but well, I don't think, I think since you, you just want a burial, I think you only need say a 10,000. And, and what if they tell you they, they still can't afford that? Do you, do you explain to them like, I'm not allowed to let anyone get more than 10% of what their income is. Do you bring that up or is that a personal 10% that you just keep to yourself? No, I let them know. I've told them, you know, what I've found with a lot of my clients, as long as we keep premiums below 10% of your monthly income, most people can budget them. $100 a month isn't super hard to afford as long as you budget your money properly. Right now, you just told me your main concern is making sure your kids don't have to worry about anything. $10,000 will do that. Well, I could save a hundred dollars a month. Oh, how much have you saved so far? Right. <laughs> exactly. So that's uh, I love that. So that's a, a go-to, like if you get that, I can't afford it objection then. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if they say they can't, if they say they can't afford it, I'll just whittle it down into their budget. As long as I keep it below 10%. And I explained that to them too. As long as I keep it below 10%, they can probably budget it. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah. And it sounds a lot better too. Are you, you're, so you're kind of saying to me that this isn't 10% of what you make isn't a big deal to you or you, you or you're not making it a priority, but um, that's kind of good to know. Cause I, I get that question a lot too. Is, it, is there a certain amount that you let someone put in there? Is it a certain percentage of their income? Is it, uh, and everyone has their, their way of doing it. And obviously your, yours, your way works. My way works. A lot of other ways work. And, end of the day is just finding something that does fit fit inside that budget yeah but um <clears throat> so what i guess from because we're, we're kind of going over of everything that that's working for you you're 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 really good at um not getting objections and and getting a lot of those sales like what has what did you do in the beginning even if it wasn't with ffl like were you always just that assumptive confident and and that good in the home or was there certain things in the beginning that you had to learn to overcome in order I, to get there? I actually got my door skills from selling Kirby vacuums. There you go. <laughs> I got my door sales from uh, selling Kirby vacuums. I've done sales most of my life. When it comes to being confident, talking to folks, I've been that way. I, I probably learned that going cold knocking. I didn't, that's not something I really learned here at family first. It's not something I learned at my practice company, it's something I've had for quite a while, but it came from, going out and actually doing it, going out, cold knocking doors, getting beat up a little bit. And then, uh, yeah, once you do that enough, you get calloused. Like it doesn't matter if they are going to treat you poorly. Like you don't care anymore. Like right. it's, I'm here for business. I'm here transactional. Like it's really just, I don't know. It's taking me time. I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. For sure. I've, since FFL, I, I didn't really, it's not something I learned here. 
Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's awesome. Well, uh, and we don't like these calls to go too long. We're going to get to the Q&A. If anyone has any questions, throw it in uh, the Q&A section or in the chat, and we'll get to those before we wrap up here. Um, but before we do that, I do have a couple more questions. Um, in in terms of, because you're, you're growing a, a big team and at a, at a quick rate, like what are some things that you go over with, I guess if you, you had a brand new agent coming on board, not in the, has no insurance background whatsoever. They're coming in, they're wanting to make a good living for their family and, and just make it, make a difference. What are, what are some things that you wish you were told as a brand new agent to, to how to be successful? Um, invest in your business, right? I've, I've done that. Luckily that's not a lesson I needed to learn while I was here. Spend the money on it. Like I, I learned that lesson a long time ago, but that's some, there's a couple of things I always tell new people I'm bringing them on. One, I don't recruit or hire salesmen because I don't think you care for them. Usually they'll BS their way into a house, BS their way into a cell. It's not good business. If you're coming to FFL and you're just trying to get rich, you're probably not going to be successful. That, that really is, in my opinion, the truth. Uh, now money is a byproduct of what it is that we do and it's very good money. But if you're coming here just to make a bunch of money, you're probably not going to be successful. So you want to come in and you want to genuinely care about people. I like, I love people, man. I love my clients. I love my agents. I, I genuinely love people and I want to see everybody succeed. I want to see everybody happy. I want to see everybody doing well. If you come in with that mindset to FFL, you're going to be successful. Really? That's just the way it's structured. If you really care about people, you really want to help people, you're going to do well. You're going to make more money than you need, um, and you're going to help a lot of families. So my pieces of advice to new agents are, one, you got to love people. If you don't love people, don't come here. You won't make it. Two, right. invest in your business. Mm-hmm. It, you've got to be not scared. Most people, when they're coming on, are used, they're coming from an hourly wage, right? They're used to making money being told what to do, having a supervisor over and knowing they've got a consistent paycheck coming in. That's not something that we have here. So in order for us to make money, we have to spend money. It's not like that with normal jobs. It's very hard for some people to wrap their head around. In order to be successful here, you have to be willing to invest not just, not just money, but time. It definitely takes time. It de- and it depends. Like if you're trying to do like Colton or me and you're trying to grow an agency, Colton, how many hours a week you work, brother? <laughs> Yes, exactly my point. You got to be able to put in the time. It's a big investment of time. It's a big investment of money if you're trying to grow a business. Now, if you're just trying to be an agent and make some extra money, which is totally okay. I don't think Colton minds. I don't mind bringing people on. They just want to make a little bit of extra money. That works just fine too. And you may not need to invest as much, but you still have to invest because this is a business that you're coming into. Even if it's part-time, it's still your business. So don't be afraid to put in time. Don't be afraid to put in money and don't come in just thinking, oh, I'm going to get rich. Come in thinking, you know what? I'm going to get paid well to take care of people. That's really what I tell everybody I recruit. Awesome. I, I love that answer. And uh, Benny, Benny has a question. What, what are your favorite CRM leads and why that has helped you with your biggest month of helping 78 families? Um, the ones that are there. Those are my favorite. <laughs> I, I don't really have a favorite CRM lead. Um, I, it's a question I get a lot about it. Um, I, I don't really have a favorite lead. I buy everything and I work everything because to me, mm-hmm. like we were talking about earlier, give me a name and a number and I'm good. Um, right. if you're a new agent, just starting out, 
and you're learning this business, you obviously want to buy the cheaper leads, like the age mortgage protection for a buck, buck 50, something like that. That way you get more at bats. Um, and it, no matter what lead there's, there's kind of a formula for it, what I've seen, the investment is the same and the return is the same. So if you're buying more expensive leads, you get fewer leads, but you get more appointments. So it's a time saver. If you buy the less expensive leads, you put in the same amount of money, you get a lot more leads, but you got to spend more time dialing to, and you get the same amount of appointments. Either way you do it, you're going to get the same ROI. It's pretty close. We've gone over the numbers backwards and forwards. If I put $1,000 into the instant leads, I get 100 leads. If I put $1,000 into the three-month leads, I get 300 leads. I get the same amount of appointments out of both. Mm. It just depends on uh, your skill level, I guess. If you're just starting out, the three-month leads would probably be a better investment. That way you get more at-bats and you can learn more. If you get a little bit better, instantly, the more expensive ones are pretty good. But really, I buy everything now. It doesn't matter to me. Right, right. No, I, I love that answer. It, it's, you might get 300 leads or 100 leads. Like where you're at now, you, you're, you're good enough where you can call 100 leads and you can get the same amount of, say, what, what are you getting? How many appointments can you get off of the, those 100 leads you're, you're spending 1000 bucks on? So I get between 15 and 20 appointments. Okay. That's what I, I was going to say, but I don't, wanna, I, don't wanna put, I don't want to put words in your mouth by any means, but so 15 to 20 appointments off a hundred leads or 15 to 20 appointments off 300 leads, but yes. you're good enough now where you're, you're good on the phones or you're, you've had more experience and with rejection and you know how to overcome objections. Now you'd obviously rather do it on a hundred leads versus 300. Again, the uh, same reason I buy a, I pay for a dialer. It's a time saver. So mm -hmm. the big difference in the investment, it's not the dollar amount, it's the time amount. There's, remember, there's two different kinds of investments into your business. You've got time you're investing, you've got money you're investing. Mm -hmm. With the more expensive leads, you don't have to put as much time into it. But when you're first starting out, I definitely would advise just buying solely those because you're still learning. Like if you just go in and buy a bunch of instant leads, you're not going to get near enough leads that, for you to learn how to set appointments. Right. I, that's good. That's good. And kind of last question I have, I think we'll wrap it up here if no one else has any additional questions, but what would you say um, sets apart the people that are successful and are here a year from now versus the people that maybe are, say, you're, you're one hit wonders or they're only here for about three months and they kind of fizzle out? It is 100% work ethic. I don't have quit in me. I don't. And most people that are successful are the same way. I realize there's going to be good times. I realize there's going to be bad times. No matter how bad the bad times are, I'll put my head down and work through it. I think that really is a big difference between those who succeed and don't. I'll put my head down and work it. What that means is I'm consistent. Mm -hmm. So that's probably the biggest difference between the ones that are successful and not. It's consistently working. Even when it's bad, even when you go out for a day and you run 10 appointments and you only get one that you sit with, you're like, all right, tomorrow's going to be a better day. I think 100% of the difference between somebody that's successful and somebody's not is their drive, work ethic, and just consistent work. I'm not a guy that will roll over. If, they, if I hit bad times, I'm going to work through it because I know it's going to get better. That's right. really the big difference. I'm not one that's like, oh, this is my backup plan. I better go get a job now so I can make <laughs> some money. Those are right. the ones that don't make it. Mm -hmm. 
and that and to that point like and that's what i i tell everyone too it's just con consistency is key no matter what your consistency yeah. is whether that's 35 40 hours a week or it's 80 hours a week like whatever your consistency is at and that you can stay on that consistently and uh you're better off just just doing that be honest with yourself and that's where i was at in the in the beginning when i had my ups and downs because we all have those we all have those roller coasters and i think usually it's brand new agents that has those because the more veteran finally figures it out but it was to to your point if i had a bad day or i had a bad an appointment like i got so upset but now like even this last weekend for my normally my weekends are like 80 percent of where, where my where i'm helping the most families and like this weekend i only i was only able to help like five families and like saturday was like one family and i i, I drove down three hours travel trip and I, i was gone all day and i i was only able to help help one family but it's like end of the day like it's just a normal routine for me now like no matter if i'm i'm helping families locally or if i'm helping families across the country or i'm doing it over the phone i'm gonna help the people that need my help and Like if, if, if it's a slow day or a bad day, then so be it. I know I'm going to be here Monday working just as hard as I was on Saturday. Um, and with that, I think that's helped me a lot once I finally figured that out. But, um, but any, any last words, Donnie, you think that we didn't touch on that you think anyone that might need, need to hear from you? No, man, get out there and get to work. <laughs> love it. Love it. Awesome. Well, Donnie, I truly, truly appreciate you jumping on with us. I think uh, a lot of people got a lot, of, lot out of what you had to say today. Um, and if there's anything that I, I personally or anyone within the SkyPoint group can do to help, help, your, help your business or help your agency, please don't reach out or hesitate to, to do so. Likewise, brother. Thanks. Everyone, have a, have a good rest of the Dow Day, and let's have a killer week. <laughs>